This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. I think that's the great thing about jiu-jitsu is that you don't you don't necessarily have to have uh, any particular physical attribute to engage in it. The, the moves kind of find you, I, I guess, and I don't mean that in this sort of esoteric kind of way. It's just like through through just grinding and learning new things, you find which things are really handy for you. Hello and welcome to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. Today I'm interviewing Michael Pegg. Michael is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He is the owner of Gaha Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Nambor here on the Sunshine Coast. And we're going to be talking about his journey through white belt to black belt and his experience with other martial arts. We're going to talk about uh, meditations he's been involved in and how he finds stillness in his life. Cool. Welcome, Michael, to the Stillness Everyday Podcast. Thanks for having me. Uh, so um, I want to we'll obviously get to where you're at now with the gym, um, but let's talk about where you started, what your profession is or trade outside of rolling and jiu-jitsu. Um, so I'm an exercise physiologist by trade. Um, I started doing the undergraduate around about the same time as I started doing jiu-jitsu, um, which was quite handy because um, I tempered myself. Like uh, the tendency is when you first start getting into it, you do seven times a week, seven times a week, and then you end up sort of getting some overtraining issues and stuff yeah, like right. that in the first six months. Um, doing the degree and uh, jiu-jitsu at the same time has allowed me to remain relatively uh, a, a low injury rate. Yeah, Because you, know, cool. you injure yourself in anything. Yeah, getting out of the bath or something like that. So, but I've been very fortunate. I haven't had too serious an injury yeah. throughout, throughout my timeline. Does it help you with um, when you were developing in jiu-jitsu, like understanding the anatomy of the body? Or yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think I think as I've uh, as I've progressed, so in the later stages, um, yep. certainly has. I think um, <clears throat> once you've uh, uh, mastering certain concepts and things, I shouldn't say mastering, but getting better at certain concepts and things like that, mm. you're able to see the mechanics rather than just sort of uh, doing it to try and make the move happen, if that makes sense. Now that you, once you know the, 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 the technique or move quite well, you can really start toying with the mechanics of yeah, right. someone a bit better because you're, you're not thinking about just getting the technique right, you're looking at um, the nuances of it over time. Mm. So what, once you've immersed yourself in it, then you can start really playing with body mechanics and stuff. But yeah, it certainly as I, I feel has been beneficial. So you're talking about like if um, I don't know, you had an arm bar or something. You're like what that's actually doing to the person's arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and things like um, I would say more, more, more with uh, manipulating people into a sweep or something like that so from changing positions from being on the bottom to being on the top yeah, understanding okay. where you can uh, position sort of their feet to turn their hips out to make them turn onto their backside or, or to put their shoulders in a direction that it makes them roll themselves and stuff like that yeah, okay. um, but I think you really need to 
uh, nail a technique first before you really start immersing yourself in how you can manipulate the mechanics a little bit more. Yeah, cool. Um, but that that that's like every, anything, you know, like any skill. You're just mm. trying to learn what it what what it's all about first before you start sort of really expanding your brain on it. Yeah. Almost, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. So when was that? When did you start your um, white belt? Oh, white belt was 17 years ago. Um, and this is like back in back in my day. <laughs> um, but when, when I first started, I started in um, northern New South Wales, uh, just sort of uh, northern rivers near where Byron is and stuff like that. I grew up in Byron, but I'd, at that period of time, I'd moved out towards Lismore a bit more. Um, rural areas. There was you were you were lucky to have one, maybe two black belts in a city, mm-hmm. apart from uh, Melbourne at the time. Um, and Sydney had a few, but anywhere above that, you were you were lucky to have one, maybe two black belts in any major city. So, I started with a friend of mine. We downloaded some some uh, tutorials, and we were just going through them. And then uh, training with each other for about six months, and then I found out that there was a school in the area. Um, and back at the time when I started training with them, it was white belts teaching white belts, and we had an affiliate um, in in the Gold Coast. Um, so it was kind of the blind leading the blind. So back in that time when you found out that there was a blue belt in your area, you're like, "Who is this wizard? And where can we teach me uh, your ways, oh master?" Sort of thing. So pretty much wearing a Gandalf hat. So it was really rare that you'd get um, access to knowledge. Um, yeah. And, and the, like there's such a vast array of content on YouTube and, um, and instructionals and things like that at the moment that, um, yeah, back when I was younger, you were reading uh, from, from books. So you're, you know, like you're doing step-by-step from books and no one had really released very much online content at the time. Yeah, right. So, yeah, really, you really were scratching for information. And um, So is it a lot quicker now to move through belts or would you say because the knowledge is there? Or I think provided that you're doing the reps and things like that, I'd, mm. I would say, yeah, I think people have the capacity to progress a lot quicker mm. if they can get the time on the mats. Yeah. Um, and the fact that now that there's black belts everywhere, like your your access to information and a bit more refined um, level of coaching is there too. Mm. So I, th- I do think, as a result of that, you, that like the game of jujitsu is just sort of uh, expanding exponentially yeah. um, comparatively to I think when. But, but I, th- I think this is everything, like the fact that there's so much more access to online content, to tutorials and things like that. Any kind of thing is expanding rapidly and you see that in, in kids nowadays just nailing things like, yeah. like surfing, skating, all that sort of stuff. They're just doing amazing stuff at such a young age but I think that's just an access to information. Yeah. Seeing that something can be done and replicating that and then it gets expanded upon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that's beyond that, that goes beyond jujitsu now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Sorry, I've trailed off topic a bit. Dude, that's right. <laughs> so, how many years did did it take you? Fourteen. Fourteen. To, yeah. yeah, and I had a few sort of random breaks for about a you know like six months here and there, just because of work or relocating and yeah, cool. and all that sort of stuff. But I, I was always pretty full time for yep. that fourteen years. Yeah. 
And when did you get to um, Gaha and Brisbane? Um, I think that was... I first went there when I was sort of in the mid-stages of my blue belt. Um, we were, I tried to relocate there, but that was the time when they, we got those really bad floods. Oh, uh, yep. Um, 2011-ish. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And then I the, just lost all my work, so then I came back to the Northern Rivers again, trained with the old gym that I was training at. Um, did my masters while I was there because I wasn't doing any, anything else. I thought, well, I'll get better educated and uh, finish that and move back up. And was back up with Ed yep. for the rest of the my tenure, basically. So yeah, cool. Mm. And then you ended up in Nambour, opening your own branch of it. Yeah, I. So. It was something that I'd always wanted to do. I'd always wanted to to coach and um, have my own gym. So whenever my wife and I would go holidays in places, I'd the first thing I'd look up because I I like doing jiu-jitsu on holidays and stuff so I'd check out if there's any gyms and before we came we were always talking about why don't we just move to the sunny coast because mm. uh, we come here for holidays anyway and um, we drove through Nambour once and just doing the thing checking oh there's no jiu-jitsu in Nambour okay well this is where we'll make a school then and all the numbers kind of fit like relocating and doing something like that there's always a bit of an inherent risk um, but I think two factors are in my favour. One is that jiu-jitsu is highly addictive mm. and um, a good community and stuff that that makes people want to go all the time. Mm. Uh, and two, that the way, and this was prior to the property boom and everything going crazy around here, but we saw the potential in Nambour to grow with with families and things like that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, for adults, that's the biggest demographic is the the, the older older not older guys but you know like late 20s early 30s just got a family looking for something to do yeah right um and of course kids as well so that there was a there was a gap in the market kind of thing for it so so it was a bit of a risk but it it's certainly calculated mm. sort of thing definitely you enjoying Nambour? i do yeah yeah my wife and i really like it um we've made quite a a nice home for ourselves and a life here and, and the Nambour people are, are pretty good. Sometimes it there's a bit of a rough element, but that's that's everywhere. Mm. So, you know, like a, a rough element's really easy to avoid. So you, you just don't be there. <laughs> Liz, Lismore would have been rough. Lismore was about the same. That's yeah. there's a lot of parallels between Nambour and Lismore, yeah. I think. Yeah, they they're they're running they're running the same race almost yeah. sort of thing. So, so it's changing in Lismore too. Definitely, yeah. And yeah. I think it was changing when I was living there as well um, with the nature of like Byron just going crazy in terms of property and yeah. virtually unlivable for a lot of people. They're, everyone's moving out towards yeah. that area and stuff now. Essentially the same thing as here, right? There's Pretty much. No yeah. more room over the other side, so. No, that's it, eh? That's it. Yeah, everyone here is moving to Gympie. Yeah. <laughs> So, do you meditate at all? Uh, I used to. I used to a lot. I, I was doing um, Shaolin Kung Fu for about eight years prior to doing um, Jiu-Jitsu. And they used to do a lot of Qigong. And um, at the time, I was working in women's fashion. Mm. Um, there was a lot of stressed people running around you. And, and I found it quite useful because it kept me calm and just made me realise there's nothing I can do about it. I can only do what I can do. Yeah, right. And there's no use stressing about the rest of it, which used to annoy him a bit. But um, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> I've never done Qigong before, but there's um, 
I know a few people who are doing it. The Corrective Culture guys, um, they do a 100-day gong. Is that... Have you done that or... No, no. no. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely... It's like I, I, I see Qigong as a vehicle to better prepare you for seated meditation because it's actually really hard to, yeah, right. to be still and meditate if you haven't sort of got an idea of how to master your breath oh, right, and things yeah. like that, I reckon, you know, like and, and making... Um, pairing something that's relatively automated like a breath with with um something that you can control like the movements of your hand and things like that makes you i think makes you more aware of how you hold your breath where you're holding it how deep your inhales and exhales are and things that sort of takes you helps you focus on the breath a bit more Mm. so what's the actual practice like what are you doing when you're doing oh there's a there was a series of eight movements um and it's very much like it's very similar to Tai Chi, but without what they would consider a martial component to it. So, okay. yeah, a different, different, different manoeuvres for different. They call them scales at, at the ones that we learnt. But um, yeah, different movements, um, series of different movements, and that's about it, really. It's um, and you're pairing in breaths without breaths, and sort of like with particular movements of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I found it pretty beneficial because I found seated meditation difficult um and i was always on the go so like i'd i'd sort of use what you did with the movements of your hands and things like that and just sort of translate it to well i'm walking i'll take however many steps in however many steps out and that that was a similar kind of function there just like translated Uh, into just everyday stuff yeah cool um and i used more of the stillness kind of component with it when i was trying to get to sleep was just trying to relax tension in my neck and things like that yeah cool what did you find hard about sitting meditation um i think my body was just always going oh you got an itchy nose just scratch your nose just scratch it just (laughs) just scratching you're like no i don't need to scratch it you're telling me this to take me away from like having a hard conversation with myself (laughs) i'm not scratching my nose i'm trying to (laughs) sums it up yeah (laughs) yeah it is difficult um I mean, the other night, uh, Henry and I, my housemate, he hadn't sat for a long time and um, like longer than 10, 20 minutes. So yeah. I said, let's just commit to 90 and you just drop off whenever you whenever you do. I think you got to 40, which was good. But then I got to 70 minutes and I was like, come on, just 20. And it's just same thing. Just, <laughs> I can't up. feel my legs, but I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm two thirds away through. I've got to finish this. Yeah. But yeah, it just becomes... Um, your your mind's just constantly trying to find a distraction to get away from yeah not thinking or and, just observing the breath and having a difficult conversation with your ego too yeah. it's it, you, it's your body your, your body's going hey look over here look at it's <laughs> like no 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 have that conversation because it's it's hard work like it's proper meditation is hard work it's not meant to be easy I don't think yeah I agree with that I've had had this conversation with someone recently there. You know, I think meditation can be blissful and everything, but to deal with the shit, it's got to be hard. Yeah, that's it. And I think, um, and translating that that sensation of it being blissful and stuff that, that comes from hard work. And I think, I think anything, and this is where I reckon has the parallels to jujitsu, is that anything can become meditate meditative. Mm. You've just got to. Um, it's it's requires hard work. Comes and mastery of a skill and and meditation is a skill that's that's got to be mastered too but once you can once you can master it you can really 
utilize it, I think, and and it becomes med- meditative. Meditative. Mm. I just got to stop saying that word. I think it's probably <laughs> better if we avoid that. But um, uh, I see that in jujitsu as all the time. Like um, and that same thing is it, it can become that, um, and I'd sort of liken it to being in the zone in a sporting context. As being in the zone, I think is like sort mm. of getting that blissfulness that you would normally acquire from meditation it's you're in this zone and you and you look back and you finish that five minute roll or you surf that wave or something you go i don't even remember what happened then but i know that it was pretty good everything Mm. was in alignment yeah everything was working for you i think that would would be what i would translate to a blissful meditative state or got it it right then (laughs) um in in a meditative context kind of thing like but but you have to spend time mastering the skill playing guitar or something like yeah. that you know it's so um, then you're in flow almost in the totally yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and and i think you can master that doing anything but you know if you like it you just it, gotta stick to it totally yeah yeah and even these things that you don't that, that you really really like there's going to be times where you, it sucks and you hate it mm. but when you go get yourself through it you you're grateful for having put yourself through the process yeah definitely like going to training there's nights that we like standing at the door like a sulky child stamping your feet but then you go and go oh geez I'm glad I did that yeah because so, yeah. um, you you get uplifted from the experience anyway yeah that's me a lot of the Tuesday Thursday mornings <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was I was an idiot I started them at like uh, in the dead of winter so when getting up to go down there it was like still dark and I was like oh bugger this yeah. <laughs> yes I think that's when I started as well. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, it's lucky there's students coming down because I, I, I would normally just sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the process from white belt to black belt, um, give us a bit of an example. That was at which of the toughest times or like which is the most ego destroying? Oh, jeez. Um, I think there's periods of that all the way through uh, each belt has its own set of um, periods where it's quite tough. Um, I'd say purple belt is the toughest one because I think um, white belt, you're starting afresh and everything's tough and you're learning all this new stuff and it's like makes your ears bleed sort of thing and you're trying to get your head around the uh, the underlying concepts around a manoeuvre and things like this and and blue belt, you're trying to, oh, I guess you could say blue belt because if you look at it percentage-wise, that's the highest dropout rate is yeah, around right. blue belt because um, once you get to purple, you, you, you're locked in. You're like, no, I have to see this through kind of thing. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the white and blue, you're kind of establishing like a – and I, I – bring it a step back. There's a, there's a guy that explains it really well called Roy Dean, and I'm, I'm going to – use his explanation because it's really good uh white belts white belt you're learning the letters and the words um blue belt you start to formulate sentences so you're starting to chain your sequence of movements together to 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 give yourself what you would call a game um purple belt you start having like um conversations and arguments and rebuttals with your opponent you know so you've understand understood the vocabulary quite well now you can have these interactions with people um and then moving on to brown and black is just like an expansion on that kind of thing you just get better at arguing your point 
uh, kind of thing. But um, yeah, coming back to, I would say purple is probably the most ego destroying because I think you have to look in, have have a look at serious look at your game. And I see purple belt as as a as a period where you fill in the gaps, and a way that a way that you do that is you don't you don't concede. Um, you, you don't concede a point. Like so, if you were thinking of it like uh, in a competition, you never let someone score a point on you, or anything like that. And only then do you see where you're really weak. Mm. Um, so, for example, when I was at uh, about halfway through purple belt, I sort of said, "I'm not really going to progress unless I make changes," because I was ha- uh, happy to be on my back, but in terms of my my ability to navigate on my opponent on top. I was really lazy. If I got rolled onto my back, I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm home. Um, so um, for me, it was like I'm no longer allowed to submit off my back anymore. I have to sweep and get on top if I'm to, to submit kind of thing. So it stopped. It took away my ability to do all my stuff off my back. I had to get on top if I wanted to finish the, the, the roll kind of thing. Yeah. So that forced me into areas that I didn't wasn't happy with, you know, like... Um, not not happy with, but places that I wouldn't normally go if I removed the the choice. Kind Is of thing. that because you were comfortable with the moves that you practiced and you knew they worked, so you just kept doing them? Yeah, yeah, totally. And I was happy on on my back, and um, and sort of happy to work from there, kind of thing, because it was yeah where where I'd spent the most time. So I had to it forced myself out of my comfort zone, and and by doing that completed a bit more of my game sort of thing I'd I'd say I still prefer being on like being on my back until I sweep but um, I'm pretty comfortable on top now sort of thing it's sort of not something that I go oh man there's just this massive divide between the two Mm. two components kind of thing Um, but yeah do you know what was that is that like a body size thing or is yeah I think I think there's a size and shape thing that happens there yeah. Um, the nature of um, you've you've got people that will tend to be on their back, and they'll tend to be the smaller, more probably more mobile people. Um, and then your bigger bloke or bigger people will tend to be top heavy pressure passing a lot. And I think that's just not the nature of um, if you're up against a big guy, they're they're stronger. They can push you on your back and sort of move you around a little bit more. Or is it whereas if you're smaller, you have to can't move the mountain. You've got to move around the mountain, sort of thing. But yeah. that usually means that you end up on your back. Yeah, it's it's rare that you get some a big bloke that's comfortable on their back that would prefer being on their back. Yeah, right. Yeah, we've got a couple of guys at our gym that do, but um, yeah, that's rare. Mm. I would say, yeah. Cool. So then you go purple. So why do you reckon the blue belt? Why do you reckon they drop out early? Um, you reckon it's the journey's too long from there or I think um, I think all the other coloured belts stop being nice to them oh right <laughs> yeah like okay you got your blue belt now we can start smashing you a bit yeah. um, you sort of uh, you've got enough skills now to not get hurt so right. so and we can't we don't have to be nice to you anymore like and, and to make sure that you that you're getting your roles in and stuff it's like now you it's time for you to deal with it. Like, yeah. um, and I think some people don't like it. And I think that's probably why Blue Belt's a bit more fraught with injury because right. they can't d- dispense with the ego 
of tapping to a white belt, even though they were a white belt yesterday, kind of thing. So yeah. they're, they're like, "Oh, I can't tap to a white belt." And it's like, "No, you, you guys have been training the same amount of time." It's, yeah. um, and then I think the the higher belts go a little bit harder on them, so I think it's fraught with a bit more injury too. Yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah, it gets tougher from there, and and if you're not if you're not ready for it, it can be a rude awakening. Yeah, especially when you think that you're getting pretty good, and then you get the new belt, and then people are tougher on you. You're like, oh, jeez, I thought I'd, I thought I was getting somewhere. Like. <laughs> and then brown belt, you're um, what just refining everything before you come back. I, th- I think I think brown belt, provided that you do all the work, white, blue, and purple. Uh, brown belts, I think, not far off a black belt anyway, but it's just a chance to explore whatever you want to do. Yeah. From then on, that that's to develop your your niche or or things that you enjoy doing, and to really get into it um, and and expand upon those things. Like you've done the work now to be able to do all the other things. Mm. Um, that's not to say that you're not always learning new stuff. I, I think you're always if you stop learning new things, then then that's when you get a bit stale. Yeah. Um, so I think it's always important to be uh, learning new stuff. And that therein lies the, the trick as a coach. You've got to <laughs> find time to do independent learning as well as yeah, sort of right. teaching. But, but as, a, as a coach, I think that's really crucial because you've, you've got to be constantly learning to, and it highlights the ability that some of the old things that you thought you used to know could be sharper because you're learning new things and expanding yeah. on new concepts and stuff. So, um, yeah. Are moves being developed? Like, <clears throat> is there, were they kind of all set? Uh, yeah, I think there's new moves and there's new... I think the moves have already always been there, but um, what people... I think what people are now doing is developing whole games on things um, because of, again, coming back to that access to, to content and all that sort of stuff because you'll have heaps of people go, oh, how's this new move? And then you'll have someone that's been in the game for years going, well, nah... There's a guy that used to do this all the time over here uh, years and years ago and that was his whole game or his or her game was these sets of things. Mm. So coming back to what we were talking about earlier about access to information and stuff, I think those games would have been brought to the world a lot quicker had this multimedia society mm. we live in yeah. been around that, that at that time too. Mm. But that's not to say that there isn't new stuff being constantly developed. When you say game, you like you're talking about puzzling together different moves to yeah. get to a submission. So when we're looking at um, a game, it's uh, a sequence of movements of of your preference that would lead you to an end result. So so like um, for myself, I I personally favour doing everything I can to get to a certain position to finish in an omoplata. And, and all, all, those, all those movements will end in a similar kind of uh, area or movement or placement of my body around the shoulder and things like that. So other people will have a really good leg lock game or, or um, heel hook. They, they develop their game to get uh, tangled up in the legs um, and to just rip their leg their legs apart pretty much so every everyone has these things that they favor to get into a to get into the submission that they want and that that's like considered a game yeah. 
Um, yeah, okay. yeah, so some people's game might be I uh, stay on top and I look for chokes from mount or th- things like that. So the answer is always it depends. Mm. I, I think that's the great thing about jiu-jitsu is that you don't, you don't necessarily have to have uh, any particular physical attribute to engage in it. The, the moves kind of find you. I guess, and I don't mean that in this sort of esoteric kind of way. It's just like through, through just grinding and learning new things, you find which things are really handy for you. Right. So, so like your moves that are handy for you might not necessarily work for someone else who's stockier and shorter, mm. kind of thing. Like whereas you got sort of longer legs and stuff, it suits yourself to a different type of attack yeah, and right. stuff. So that your game would be different to someone else's just based on height. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, right. Mm. What's the um, history of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Um, oh, geez, testing me on that one. Um, so I think after World War Two, they they had a lot of Japanese sort of immigrating to South America. Um, just the, I guess, the stated the geopolitical status over there and stuff was like made, you know, um, life untenable there for them. But we got they got a lot of. Uh, um, I think it was either Japanese jiu-jitsu and or judo guys moving to Brazil. Um, Mitsu Maeda, I think, was the was um, the Gracie's teacher. Started teaching them and, and through years of them practising, I think it just developed into their own thing um, based on their environment and stuff like that. And they tended to focus more on the ground techniques and the the, the ground control of it than... Because I think I'm pretty sure Japanese jiu-jitsu used to incorporate strikes and, and stuff like that as well. Right. But um, I just think that the Gracies took it and, and, and turned it into sort of more that ground fighting, and grappling in a gi kind of component sort of thing. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, there was a few other schools there, Luda Libre. Um, there was heaps of grappling arts around there at the time too that was just culminating in the rise of it coming, Brazilian jiu-jitsu coming from... Like being what it is, sort of thing, um, and being different to your other grappling arts, like the Japanese jiu-jitsu and the judo as well. It's just like yeah, the it's not that old then. I thought it would go no back centuries. No, nah, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not that old, but the whole jiu-jitsu in itself has has been around for ages, and and like yeah. grappling, grappling's been around for like yeah, ancient ancient Roman. How, ancient how's and the stuff. Japanese one compare? Like similarities or. Uh, mainly in a gi. I think the differences between a gi and, and not wearing a gi, like I'm pretty sure the Greeks used to do it nude, so um, I'd prefer a gi. Uh, <laughs> makes, makes for an easier clean-up at the gym at the end of the night. So, <laughs> so Japanese started the gi? Uh, yeah, I think they've I think they been in a gi because yeah, um, right. they used to wear the gi underneath their armour, I'm pretty sure, as oh, well. Okay. So, yeah, to, so that the arm... Um, uh, the armor wouldn't pinch him and things like that. So, yeah, right. yeah. You answered that well then. Pardon? You answered that well. There's Oof. a bit of history in there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Got out of that dodge that bullet ass. <laughs> <laughs> so in your white belt to black belt, apart from learning how to choke people out, what else do you think you've learned life skill-wise? Uh, what else can jiu-jitsu teach you? Uh, problem solving under duress, I think, would be a good one. Is um, Whatever happens in your life, it doesn't, no one's tearing your head off, so it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Like, yeah, think, things don't matter as much that when you than what 
things that you used to think were really important don't or, or were quite stressful aren't as stressful anymore because yeah. no, no one's trying to choke you <laughs> throughout the day. So you're like, oh, that's fine. It doesn't matter. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, I think I think this is uh, transcending jujitsu, but into most martial arts, is it is it teaches you the uh, the, the reward of hard work rather than necessarily uh, things kind of thing like being rewarded with things is now I got rewarded through the acknowledgement of, of my effort if that makes sense like yeah. so the tape on your belt and the new belts and things like that doesn't really look like much but it's a culmination of effort over the last few and however many years it is to achieve that so mm. I think that's what changes people's perception is um and and translates into translates into improvements in your life is that you'll you'll work harder for things I think um, and you understand that to the, the reward is in the effort kind of thing um, that that's the big thing with the jiu-jitsu but but also with most ma- other martial arts too for me that's jiu-jitsu was my vehicle kind of thing and that that's where I found my home kind of thing Mainly because I, I hate getting punched in the head. So any other martial art, like, oh, no, oh god, that sucked. <laughs> I lost a textbook. I have to read that again. What? What's an arm bone? So uh, <laughs> cool. Um, and um, do you compete at all? Or uh, it was I'd even I'd, I'd never enjoyed competing, uh, and this was even before jujitsu when. I used to surf um, a fair bit. I'd, it never tickled my fancy. Um, I liked. Uh, I did a couple in each belt, but it, it, it had never been my driver. Mm. And, and I think in anything, I'd, I'd liked. I liked playing basketball. I liked skating. I liked surfing. I liked doing all these things for the pursuit of getting better at it. Mm. It never. I don't, I don't know. I never felt like I needed to compare myself to other people. I just wanted to get better. Mm. Um, and you know, I roll with a fair few people. Like I roll with all these guys that compete all the time. So you know, same thing. They dust me up. <laughs> I, you know, so, so I'm like, I know where I am in the in the grand scheme of things, kind of thing. Yeah, like, right. I just like doing it, and I've never done sports for the need to compete or beat other people, just because I just want to be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that's the only reason I've tried to do things. You said before that. Um, Jiu-Jitsu taught you how to deal with stress under mm. or problem solve under duress. Do you um, practice any or is there any breathing techniques you use when you're rolling that kind of help stabilize? I know when I'm kind of in a stressful situation, I'll just go back to the breath and realize there's no problems whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the the big thing there is getting your breathing back, getting enough space that you can breathe, and just um, assessing. Like um, the big one, or coming back to that that part about how does it you know translate into life is like, am I in pain or is this just uncomfortable? Mm. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's just uncomfortable. Okay, well then, just deal with it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's just uncomfortable, you know. Like, um, but yeah, breathing breathing helps. Um, I sing a song in my head <clears throat> to take me away from being um, trapped in what's going on at that particular moment so as you'd like find it takes me back from 
dealing with uh, getting the blinkers on in terms of oh, dealing with this arm next to me and like we are saying before there's that the, uh, the book that book that I really like reading it's called The Unfettered Mind series of um, a series of essays from a Japanese Zen master to a Japanese sword master and he talks about um, the ignorance in the abiding place and the ignorance being um, sort of focusing on this one thing at one particular time um, and the abiding place being that thing that you're thinking about and always the, and, and the, the 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 line that I took away from it is if you focus on the hand you'll be cut down by the sword if you focus by the, on the face you'll be cut mm. down if you focus on your sword you'll be cut down by the sword you've got to be thinking about everything and nothing at the same time only then will you live in the moment um, so seeing seeing a song in my head sort of takes me away from being oh I've got to deal with this right now to alright what's going on am I in danger no, I'm just uncomfortable. Okay, that's fine. And and then you're you're reacting to oh my legs are free. I can start moving my legs, and mm. you, you can start sort of thinking about a bigger picture and what's actually going on. Mm. Um, but yeah, breathing breathing definitely helps, and especially in between rounds um, when you're looking at you got to roll someone else with someone else afterwards. That you control your breathing. But again, if you if you're well rehearsed at that and you're well practiced at that. Then your breathing will just naturally happen. Yeah, it'll improve quicker. Yeah, like you'll, you won't. You'll you'll regain yourself a bit quicker and stuff. Yeah, I have found. Um, I don't know if it's from my meditation practices, but obviously my vocabulary vocabulary in jujitsu is not there. But I find myself if I I'll just be like closing my eyes if someone like Regan's on top of me. Yeah, and, I'll, <laughs> and then I'll um, but I'll have like this awareness of my whole body, so I can feel like if. I don't need to watch his arms because I can almost feel if he's yeah. doing something around my legs or whatever. It's like my whole body rather than just my hand. All, all of that stuff is because is you're in close proximity too. I think closing your eyes helps you access um, a bit more tactile, uh, a, a tactile awareness too mm. rather than sort of just looking at, oh, his arm, it's in my face, oh my God, <laughs> sort of thing. Like, which is, you know, like Reg, someone like Regan's arm's pretty big, so <laughs> takes up all your view. Like, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, any anything else you want to add to the people listening? Why they should come down to your gym and check it out? Um, I, I think we've got a really nice group of people. Uh, they're very welcoming. They they want to see you get better. Uh, I, I think a couple of the things that stops people coming to jiu-jitsu and this is this is any any place and stuff is that they think that they're just going to immediately get smashed and it's just not the case um even even the new white belts that haven't been there for very long they just it's it's like playing with your food um there's no there's no sport in it so people actually want to see you get better so that it's it's a challenge to them to submit you and things like that so I think you get a, a lot of support along the way, and I, I think jujitsu is a, a unique martial art in that. Is that is they will they won't smash resilience into you. They will help you foster resilience until you're such a time where you can be like put under a lot of pressure, put under a lot of duress, and you can and you'll come away with it feeling um, like your self-efficacy is improved, not necessarily hindered. You won't be coming away going, oh god, I got, you know. Your ego's challenged, but it's not battered and bruised kind of thing. There's a couple um, women in the at, yeah um, yeah yeah. We got some uh, we got some ladies. Uh, a couple of them have left, but um, there's 
new ladies coming back in and stuff oh, yeah, like cool. that. But they're they're always really keen to see more ladies training. Um, yeah. They're always happy because um, they're sick of smack beating us all up. So they're like, oh, more food. But <laughs> they must get tired beating the crap out of us all the time. So that's good that they get a bit of a change. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming on and see you tomorrow morning. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's been good.